Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home an auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome to Total Wine & More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine & More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA Podcast. With free agency a week away, we are going to be previewing the Eastern Conference, all Eastern Conference teams, and what they are looking at heading into Saturday's free agency July moratorium. We're also going to briefly touch on the NBA Awards show, which was Monday night. Before we get underway, just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all of our Twitter handles to so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes. Hey, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. iTunes, so we'd love it if you subscribed, downloaded, left some reviews. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports. So check them out on Twitter, at FanRag Sports, and for their NBA content, at FanRag NBA. As mentioned, free agency is just around the corner, so lots of great stuff there over the coming weeks. Uh, joining me today, as always, is my trusty co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian. We are testing out some new recording equipment today, which is very, very exciting. And let's see if we all are going to fuck it up. Because yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Knock on wood. Yeah, it would, it would be so us to do that. It really would. Yeah, we have three backups today, or two backups today. So it, it would really be hard to screw this one up. Yeah. Uh, joining us also, uh, our third co-host, Sarah Chalea, could not join us. She is in Philly uh, eating cheesesteaks, I hope. Uh, so, in her place, we have senior NBA editor of Fansided, Ian Levy. Ian, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. Thanks for having me on. For sure. Uh, before we get started, could you let our listeners know where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work? Absolutely. I'm at Hickory High on Twitter and uh, Fansided.com, our NBA page, and The Step Back is our uh, premium NBA vertical. So lots of uh, lots of smart people doing good work there. 
Yes, I, I, I don't know if I'm a smart person, but I do occasional work at Step Back. Uh, we've got these free agency pitches going out right now. And Ian, I hope you're just going to award the Sixers every player at this point. <laughs> They're gonna, you've won every single one we've done so far, clearly. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it, my pitch every time is we have $50 million in cap space. We have Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Dario Saric, and Markel Fultz. Come play with us. It's pretty convincing. Um. All right, so let's start quickly with the NBA Awards show. The first ever NBA Awards show uh, happened Monday night. I'm going to run through the award winners quickly, and then we've all talked about the awards themselves for months, so we don't need to re-legislate the MVP race. We've had that discussion in the past. So instead, after I go through the award winners, I want to go through each one of us just give our biggest pro or con from the awards show itself or from any of the winners. So, in order, the way they introduced it last night, Rookie of the Year, Malcolm Brogdon of the Milwaukee Bucks. Sixth Man of the Year, Eric Gordon of the Houston Rockets. Uh, Most Improved Player, the Greek Freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Executive of the Year, Bob Myers of the Golden State Warriors. Coach of the Year, Mike D'Antoni of the Houston Rockets. Defensive Player of the Year, Draymond Green. Uh, of the Golden State Warriors, and MVP, Russell Westbrook of the Oklahoma City Thunder. So, Ian, uh, do you have any big gripes with any of those award winners? I really don't. Uh, I don't get too worked up about the awards. For me, they're all they're all narrative awards, and everybody out there had a great story last year. Um, I don't know. Eric Gordon, it seems like... Uh, you know, there's probably a dozen guys who could have won six man of the year and, and that would have been totally fine. Um, I probably would have picked uh, Embiid for rookie of the year, but I, I certainly get the argument of, of him only playing 31 games and Malcolm Brogdon was great. And, uh, you know, he was a lot of fun last year too. So I, I have no problem with him getting an award too. Yeah, that, that's fair. I, and to Embiid's credit, he did say, he tweeted last night and congratulated Brogdon. I thought he was going to bring the fire, and he did not, unfortunately. Um, Morton, do you have any big gripes from the award show? Well, I, I'm a Kawhi Leonard guy, as you know. So <laughs> yep. I was holding out dear hope, dear hope for, for Kawhi getting the surprise MVP, even though I knew he wasn't. So that's really my only gripe. Um, also, I I had uh, Embiid as Rookie of the Year because the 31 games didn't really bother me at all. Uh, but, yeah, as Ian said, it is a narrative award every year, so I get it, and it doesn't really eat at me any. But it does seem weird that Kawhi Leonard just had the year that he had, and he stepped away from this thing with without any award whatsoever. That's, mm-hmm. that's a little bit sad. A little bit sad. I, yeah, it wasn't even that close for Kawhi. Like, he was a clear, distant third-place finisher. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I saw someone on Twitter last night saying, like, if James Harden just had the year he had, like, what does he have to do to win MVP? And the, you know, it feels like Kawhi has the same argument, you know? Like, good Lord, I can't imagine him having a better year, but he probably is going to next year. Um, so, I mean, as a Turner employee, I am not uh, at liberty to... Uh, criticize the timing of the award show. I know that was a thing that people got up in arms about. Um, you know, I, I think it remains to be seen what happens with the award show next year, if it happens, when it happens, etc. cetera. Uh, one thing I did really like was the Sager Strong Award that they gave to Monty Williams. I thought that was a really touching moment. Um, you know, Ernie Johnson naturally was the one to present it, and 
his words were very touching. Uh, and then Monty is just remains an inspiration to not only the NBA community as a whole, but just like humanity in general. I mean, the, the trials and tribulations he's endured and the forgiveness he showed along the way is really something special. So I thought that was great. Um, now I'm going to bring a little fire though, because they also, along with the awards, they released the all defense and all rookie teams yesterday. And 11 voters did not have Joel Embiid on either their first or second team all-rookie, which, I mean, like, I I get the 31-game argument. I get, you know, most guys play twice or three times as many minutes. That's fine. But, like, this rookie class sucked, right? There were, like, maybe eight productive rookies. And so to leave, for 11 people to leave him off the ballot entirely is criminal. I'm not going to name names, but someone had Chris Dunn on their second team All-NBA and did not leave or did not put Joel Embiid on their ballot at all, which is like, I don't know if you watched Chris Dunn last year, but he sucked. Sorry to sit. <laughs> Sorry, Morton, the guy who you just inherited as one of your faces of the franchise. I didn't. I did the Bulls inherited. I have no idea. You keep bringing me into this camp like a Bulls fan. Come on now. That's right. Better. Speaking of which, I wanted to ask you, where I forgot to ask you last episode when we were talking about the Jimmy Butler trade. I figured this is it, right? Like this, your your clean break from the Bulls is finally happening. So which team are you officially bandwagoning onto? Is it the Timberwolves? Look, I, I'm a free agent, Brian. I am going to play the market, <laughs> and when the when the moratorium ends, I'll make a decision based on. Um, well, I'm not going to say finances because that's going to screw my brand. I'm going to say what. The things that suits me best, what's best for my family, I believe is the key <laughs> phrasing. Uh, that's awesome. I think I'm very much looking forward to finding out which team. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be between Milwaukee, Minnesota, and Philly. So I'm going to put on my best Brian Colangelo hat next week and try to lure you. Uh, so that's actually a perfect way to go into free agency. So today we're going to do the Eastern Conference. Later this week, we're going to do the West we're going to try to spend about five minutes on each team. Uh, some will naturally go a little longer because they're more interesting. Some that are the in Sixers. Capital. Yeah. I, not the Sixers. I, and there are, there are other teams that are, have far more uh, franchise-defining decisions to make this summer than the Sixers. I'll put it that way. Um, but yeah, some will that are in cap hell, we can only say so much about them. So if we don't talk much about your team, apologies in advance, but you can blame your front office for it ruining your cap sheet. Uh, so let's start let's start with the Indiana Pacers. You know, they've been the big talk of the town the last couple weeks. Paul George, uh, we've talked about him before, demand or did not demand a trade, but he, he has let them know he does not plan on re-signing with them in 2018. So the Pacers have he's not a free agent. They do have Jeff Teague and CJ Miles who are both unrestricted free agents. They could be looking at, you know, upwards of about 31.7 million in cap space. And when I reference these cap figures, all of this comes from Keith Smith, uh, who has those salary cap sheets, really good follow for this time of the year. Um, so yeah, they have a lot of cap space. They got, you know, Teague and Miles, Teague's a big name free agent. And I think the big question though is, what do you do with Paul George? Do you, do you feel comfortable with him on your roster going into training camp and how does he affect the Jeff Teague decision at all? 
Uh, I think you trade Paul George um, immediately. I, uh, once you get into the season, I mean, there, there's no uh, there's no advantage to be gained by holding on to him. There's no <laughs> there's no additional leverage out there for the Pacers. The deals aren't going to get better. It's not like uh, if he gets off to a strong start to the season, it's going to convince people to up their offers. Uh, I mean, worst case scenario there is he gets hurt or something like that, and uh, you know the trade market completely dries up for him. So, yeah, I think you. Take Take the deal. Uh, you take the best deal that you can find now. Um, I'm surprised it didn't happen before the draft, but uh, the sooner it can happen, the better. And uh, you know his his trade value is tanked. They're not going to get close to 100 cents on the dollar. So I, I think you take the best deal that you can that you can, and you move on. Um, if it was me, I would not uh, be spending money on Jeff Teague or CJ Miles. Um, you know, maybe you throw a, a, an offer sheet at somebody like Caldwell Pope or Otto Porter. Uh, but I think you know, sitting with that cap space, uh, knowing that the team's not going to be very good next year, um, and, and giving some minutes to some young guys, letting you know TJ Leaf uh, uh, play through his rookie season, Anik Bogu if he can be healthy, um, you know George Nyang, uh, who mostly uh, spent the season last year with their D League team, you know really letting those guys get out on the floor and see what they have, um, and then you know holding on to that cap space and seeing what you can do with it in a year or two. Yeah, I think. You know, that's the route we've been advocating for as well, because uh, I, I don't see the advantage to bring back Jeff Teague if you don't have Paul George, right? Like, that's the point of, if you <laughs> thought he was, if you thought there was a real chance he would resign, you almost have to resign him as well, but, you know, let him walk and see what you have in the young guys. Where, where would you like to see Jeff Teague end up if he does leave Indiana? That's a good question. Uh, I suppose he makes some sense on the Sixers no. to some extent. No, 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 no. no, no. Hey, hear me, hear me out. I knew, I, <laughs> I knew this was gonna happen. Look, I, I'm not gonna advertise the Sixers to sign him for four years, mm-hmm. but like a a two year deal where you might overpay him a little bit mm-hmm. to come in and and kind of set the tone point guard wise, so you have like a veteran option for Fultz. Because he will have, you know, days where he is getting adjusted to the NBA game in his first two seasons. That's mm-hmm. uh, obviously. So you need to have some sort of guy there who can take the reins over when necessary. And you can also slide falls off the ball if necessary. So I, I kind of like that fit there as long as it's not a Timofey Moskov length. Right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm trying to look it up right now because I, I for this pitch a free agent thing for the step back, I did end up pitching T. It was before the Fultz trade happened, but I think I was a- along that same line of like, I basically said like I don't actually want you, but y- your market <laughs> might be chillier than expected, and if so, take like one year twenty five million or two years forty million. See. Yeah, I said one year, $25 million. Just like uh, bridge the gap kind of thing. So yeah, actually, as a, as long as, it, as you said, Mort, as long as it's not a Mozgov deal, I'm cool with it. Uh, mm. But I would not, I'd be very hesitant to give him more than two years if I'm the Sixers. It, it kind of feels like, and we'll probably go into this more as we go through the other big name for, uh, point guard free agents, but we could just end up seeing like uh, roulette style with all the big name free agents like if, <laughs> If George Hill decides to leave Utah, like Jeff Teague could go to Utah and George Hill can go somewhere else and then Drew Holiday can go somewhere else and Chris Paul can go somewhere else. So we could just see like a big circle uh, cycling all these point guards, but we'll see what happens there. 
Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers are next. They are way over the cap. They don't really have any notable free agents. I mean, Kyle Korver, Darren Williams. If you lose those guys, it's not the end of the world. Also, Derek Williams. Uh, you know, same deal. Uh, so the big question for them, Mort, is, you know, they, they A, <laughs> they don't have a front office right now, which is not great uh, four days away from free agency. So assuming Chauncey Billups or whoever takes over between now and Saturday, uh, do you think they should keep dangling Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love in trade talks? Or at this point, should they just see, you know, load up on ring-chasing veterans, see who they can get with the taxpayer mid-level exception, and roll with the core again? I think it all depends on what LeBron does. Like, we can agree that the, the free agency is the wild, wild west, and we can also agree that right now, because of the inability to keep David Griffin, LeBron is presumably not in the best of moods. I... I don't think he stays on past 2018, and I could even be convinced that he would make a play this summer to get out if he deems that the organizational structure is just too unstable. So right now, I mean, I would love to answer your question, but I think all the chips falls after LeBron sort of makes his play, because I am sensing something there. It's just not, it doesn't seem like the organization right now is on solid footing at all. And LeBron being in at the in the age group that he is right now, 32, I don't think he can afford to mess around and just waste a year away. I think he's going to pull something, and I think that's going to just change the entire landscape of the organization potentially this summer already. Yeah, I mean, they've been mentioned, obviously, in Paul George talks. I also saw some stuff linking Kevin Love to the Phoenix Suns, to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, a lot of that stuff was before the draft. It's not clear. Again, they don't have a front office, so it's not clear who's like negotiating these deals now. Um, but Ian, where would you like to see Kevin Love end up if he does get traded this summer? Uh, I wouldn't mind him in Indiana if we're gonna if we're gonna play the Paul George game. I mean, he's not necessarily part of the long term uh, core, but he's fun to watch. He's a guy I really like. Uh, happy uh, he finally got a chance to win a title and and do it with that defensive stop on Curry. Um, so yeah, bring him to Indiana. Let him put up some numbers for a year or two, and then maybe we flip him for something else. And and you know he goes back to a, a contender because the timelines don't really line up. But I don't know if I'm the Cavs. I mean, it's silly because they really are stuck in this arms race with the Warriors. But unless they're getting Paul George, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's out there in a Kevin Love deal that makes them better right now. You know, that sort of keeps them in that arms race. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Uh, I don't think like Wilson Chandler and Kenneth Fareed is is giving them right. a leg up. So, yeah, I don't know. For me, it, it, it should I, I would imagine it'd be Paul George or nothing. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I did, you know, I, I I throw around the Denver idea in my head a little bit because I do like the fit with Love and Jokic. Like defensively, they might be awful together, or they probably would be awful together. But offensively, that would just be so much fun. Like two of the best passing big men in the league together. Um, but yeah, I don't know. As you said, like Wilson Chandler at Kenneth Farid is probably not moving the needle against the Warriors. So we'll see. I mean, first, again, we'll see if they hire a general manager by Saturday because I feel like that's going (laughs) to shape what they do next. Um, Okay, let's go to the Detroit Pistons. Their big notable free agent is Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who is a restricted free agent. Uh, They have only about $1.6 in cap space, uh, but they're way over with cap holds. So the big question, Ian, is should they match a max offer if Contavious Caldwell-Pope gets a max offer sheet? 
I think you do. I think you have to. It seems like he's the one guy. I mean, really, he's like the one guy on that roster who I would want for the next iteration of what that team's going to be. Because right now, it's clearly not working. Um, so if it was if it was me, I would uh, I'd match anything on Caldwell Pope, and I'd be looking to trade literally everything else on that roster, maybe not Henry Ellenson or, or Luke Kennard, but um, I'd certainly be shopping Drummond and Reggie Jackson um, and, and you know, trying to clear as much uh, cap space in other areas as I could because it seems like Caldwell Pope's the, the most important guy there. Even though he's not a star, he's not the guy who's going to lead the team next. Um, you know, he, he's a complimentary piece for a really good team. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Ian. Uh, I think you kind of have to match him and, you know, you can always – probably flip him later if you need to but that's an extremely valuable asset to lose for nothing if you you know if you let him walk because you're scared of the luxury tax more the other question with the pistons you know even dating back to the trade deadline we've heard that both reggie jackson and uh andre german the pistons were i think zach Lowe reported they were like quietly exploring their trade value and came back disappointed so do you have faith in this current Pistons core, or do you think they need a bigger shakeup involving Drummond, Jackson, etc.? Oh, I, I have very little faith in that duo. Um, unfortunately, because on paper it made a lot of sense. Drummond was is uh, an, an agile, a surprisingly agile 6'11 center who is about 280, and I thought that would fit for sure with Reg Jackson, who's pick-and-roll heavy and all that, but it just didn't seem to land as well, and considering the fact that Drummond is somewhat challenged defensively, which, again, is kind of surprising at this stage in his development, I would probably look elsewhere. But what kind of deals you seek is the big question. But can you really get fair value for Drummond at this point? Like, I'm sure that Detroit values him to a certain extent. So going out to the trade market, like, they say they're disappointed. That's because they are probably putting a lot more... Uh, value in him compared to what others are because they see the the weaknesses a little bit more um i'm not sure what you get for him but i would definitely keep on shopping both guys uh under the radar and also like we we talked about a landing place for for jeff teague like if you clear mm -hmm. reggie jackson and um andre drummond out you, know, you could use jeff teague as a stopgap while you search for something bigger who knows yeah, Drummond, it's so weird. Like, I was so high on him a couple of years ago, and now it's just like, you know, he's still so young, uh, and it takes a while for the centers to learn the NBA game, uh, but it just seems like they're miscasting him almost. Like, they're trying to force him to be something that he's not, and I understand, like, why you do that, especially on a mediocre team, like, try to help him expand his game, but he feels like he's kind of going down the Dwight Howard road a little bit, where, like, I just want you to do what you're good at and that's fine like you don't need to be this like all-encompassing center just like but what is that though like what is that I, I, that's a hard question like yeah. what are you good at andre drummond all hey all-star andre drummond what are you good at no right. i mean right. he's obviously an amazing rebounder but in, in terms of like the offensive fit like what does he do well like he cleans up well he mm -hmm. he can finish plays but in terms of the half court sets he's somewhat useless right yeah like you, exactly you have to figure out how to exactly incorporate him and you're right i don't think detroit has done that at all it seems like they are are definitely trying to like 
you know, create some sort of idea around him that he is this high volume center who can get like 20 and 14 or whatever. And he's just not that kind of player at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I still think that we have no real idea of what Andre Drummond is. Yeah, I know Duncan Smith, who I think he hosts Locked On Pistons, really smart Pistons yeah. follow anyone out there. But he's done, you know, he does these Twitter deep dives and he's found like Drummond post-ups were just such brutally inefficient plays that like the Pistons were just giving away points whenever they tried mm-hmm. to do a, you know, ISO post-up with Drummond. So yeah, it's it's a very good question where I don't know what he's you know if he what he's good at offensively aside from rim rolls and uh cleaning up offensive rebounds and you know easy transition opportunities it's it's an open question so uh that's Detroit's in a weird spot this offseason Milwaukee on the other hand they're sitting pretty uh you know Jabari Parker is obviously recovering from the torn ACL so that is not ideal but Greek Freak's a monster Chris Middleton remains one of the most underrated players in the league uh they're, they don't really only have uh, Tony Snell, who's a restricted free agent, and Michael Beasley uh, that they have to worry about. They don't have any cap space, so they can really only use the mid-level exception and then re-sign their own guys. So, um, Mort, you've watched Tony Snell back in your Bulls fan days. Uh, turns out he's better than, than he was with the Bulls. So how much do you think the Bucks should will, be willing to spend on Tony Snell in free agency? Yeah, can we just take a moment and acknowledge that Tony Snell was traded for uh, Michael <laughs> Carter Williams, who the Bulls just today <sighs> said that they're not even gonna, you uh-huh. know, res- extend an offer sheet to or not a, a qualifying offer. So basically, they're telling Michael Carter Williams, yeah, you're you're not gonna stay around here. And Tony Snell is looking at a payday for about fourteen, fifteen million dollars a year. Yeah, so that happened. <laughs> um, look. Tony Tony found his niche. That, uh, he really did. He's he's a long wing. He's got long arms. He's got great speed. I don't think he was use, utilized correctly in Chicago. In fact, he was pretty bad in Chicago. Some of that due to fit, also due to his somewhat passive nature, and that's that's still a concern. Like I saw moments of it in Milwaukee, but he did seem to, you know, the trade seemed to have woken him up a little bit. Like there was this thing that when he got an open shot, he didn't hesitate. He just pulled the trigger. Hopefully, it wasn't just the contract year thing, uh, which could have been a case. But no, I'm I'm gonna put uh, I'm gonna put a lot of faith in Tony keeping up what he did last year, and that's probably fourteen fifteen million a year in this new uh, climate. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems reasonable. I, I can't believe you're slandering former Mike or rookie of the year Michael Carter Williams, <laughs> the guy. Who I know. I know. People excoriated Sam Hinkie for trading a draft pick, which then he was. He was the first uh, Chicago Bulls acquisition of the point guard of the future last year. So, yeah. I mean, he was the original. <laughs> the the first of four. <laughs> the first of four point guards of the future. Let's see what happens this summer. We'll, we'll, might, we'll be getting to six, seven, eight, and then two years down the road, we'll be at, like, number 11. It's going to be perfect. Right. Once they wave Rondo, they have $10 million more to spend on more point guards. It'll be great. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. They, they should be they should be getting younger and more athletic, so they should probably go out and get an Andre Miller type, right? <laughs> I was gonna say Kyle Lowry, but yeah, shoot for the stars, man. That's awesome. Uh, Ian, how much would you spend on Michael Beasley if you're the Bucks? Um, I don't know. I uh, 
he was interesting. He was fun having around last year. I don't know that these he's that essential. It seems like he's uh, seems like they might be able to get something else out there of of similar production that maybe wouldn't cost uh, as much. Um, I don't know that overall his production was that much more than replacement level last year. Um, but also, you know, their their cap situation, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mon- Monroe comes off the books next year, even if he opts in. Uh, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they might potentially be able to move Henson if uh, DJ Wilson pans out and if Thon Maker takes another step forward. So, you know, even, uh, you know, stretching a little bit to pay Beasley or pay Snell and keep their wing rotation flush, um, you know, it might not hands- hamstring them much more beyond this year. All right. So I'm going to give Morton a break here because he's discussed the Chicago Bulls enough. So, Ian, I'm going to throw this Bulls question to you. They have... Cristiano Felicio, they have Nikola Mirotic, both of whom are restricted free agents. Um, they have almost $40 million in cap space if they want it. I, I assume that includes if, if they waive Rondo. Uh, so after trading Jimmy Butler, what's next for them? Should they waive Rondo, let Mirotic walk, actually go younger and more athletic? Or should you try to keep Rondo around, re-sign Mirotic, and you know, have those guys as veteran influences? Uh, I don't think there's any reason to keep Rondo, despite the uh, the strong uh, first round of the playoffs. But um, I mean, I don't know. We all watched them all all season long. It didn't look like that was consistent. Uh, so I, I'd let Rondo walk. Miritich is interesting to me because it seems like he would have value. Um, you know, potentially they are going to get a chance to sort of play a more pure version of Ho- of Hoiberg's system or what he has in mind this year. Uh, the team's going to look different with Levine and Markinen. There might be more space. So Miritich might be more useful. And he also seems like a guy who they could easily flip in a year or two. I, I don't think his value is necessarily going to get any worse than it is right now. So he might be worth paying just to sort of keep around, have some structure, help provide some space for the young guys. Um on offense and then you know if he's if he's not there i don't think he's gonna uh i don't think he's gonna come at a price that's gonna hamstring them or drag them down you know uh, two or three years from now right yeah i i'd say his inconsistency this past season especially should help drive his price down <laughs> uh more how can you just talk to us about cristiano felicio a little bit tell us why you know i i he's been under the radar kind of he came out oh, a little yeah. bit this past year um but Assuming he leaves the Bulls, or even if he resigns with the Bulls, why should a team's fans be excited that they got Felicio or they're keeping Felicio? Felicio is a six ten um, man baby, in, in that I'm, I mean that in the most positive way because like he he he's got this weird strength. Like he's a lot stronger than he appears. He looks to be a little bit you know, fat, but he is this just, like, raw strength, really. He's a surprisingly effective leaper. He re- he reached the floor defensively somewhat well in terms of rotations. He still has his lapses here and there. And he has games where he, he pounced the boards pretty hard. He's a traditional big man in that sense of the word, but his, his jump shooting is coming along. Like, when he sets his feet... I think there's the potential that he can actually stretch his shot outside the three-point line down the road, um, the corner three in particular, because when he takes those you know long twos, they're right on the money. Like the the range does not seem to be a problem. So if he is being courted by teams who oh I don't know knows how to develop players, 
then watch out because that's not where he is right now. Um, like I, I want the Spurs to get him. I definitely want Ooh. to see the Spurs get him and see what they can do with him. I think he could be a, a starting caliber center. Like he, he has no real on the surface major weakness. If you get catch my drift, he's just not overwhelming in any one part. But like he's got decent handles. He's got he can pass the ball somewhat well. Like he finds cutters and whatnot. There's he's pretty well rounded, and I am still somewhat baffled that he didn't play more last year. <laughs> oh, your bulls hostility! I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go into the Atlantic Division now. Let's start with the Boston Celtics. Their only notable free agent is Kelly Olynyk, who is a restricted free agent. Uh, they have up to $33.1 million in cap space, so enough to lure a max contract guy if they want. I think that includes they would have to like wave Tyler Zeller and do a couple other minor moves, keep Zizic and Yabusele stashed, etc. So, more is now the time for the Celtics to go all in? Should they be trying to sign Gordon Hayward, Blake Griffin, trying to trade for Paul George, or do you think... Now, we talked about this with James Hollis a couple episodes ago. Do you think they can still kind of keep towing the line between um, between contending now and then still building for the future? Well, I don't know um, whether they have to because 33 minutes ago, Vogue uh, tweeted that Boston is working to sequence the acquisitions of Gordon Hayward and Paul George, which we oh. kind of talked about previously. Like, they, uh, uh, I, I think they wanted to. Like, I think going into this season or this summer, sorry, they wanted two of Jimmy Butler, Paul George, or Gordon Hayward. I think that was their end goal, and I think they're going for it now. Butler has been settled, so that leaves Hayward and, and George. We'll see what happens there, but I think they are somewhat all in. Like, when you trade Markel Fultz, also, it's a sign to me that you're gaining assets to make a run at some veterans. Mm-hmm. So that could take you all the way. Otherwise, it doesn't make one lake of sense to trade Markel Fultz. Right. Yeah. Hmm. So this Woj report is interesting, especially now with uh, Pacers guy on board. So Ian, if let's say the Celtics have enough cap space to sign Gordon Hayward outright, and then they are capped out. So they need to make, they need to match George's salary. What types of players or picks would you want from the Celtics in exchange for Paul George? Um, well, I definitely like one of the two picks for next year. I mean, I would guess that Brooklyn's pick is probably off the table. Um, but I would, uh, I would take that Lakers pick for sure. Um, I don't know that it, there's the, the Celtics are so loaded on the wing now with, uh, with Crowder and, uh, Jalen Brown and then drafting Jason Tatum and then Bradley and smart. Um, I don't know if I'm getting my pick there, but I, I don't know. I'm not wild about Jason Tatum, so I'd probably take something like Jalen Brown and Avery Bradley maybe would be my choice there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. If they want to throw Kelly Olenek in, I wouldn't complain. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I would – I would. I'd basically I'd be like a kid in a candy store. I would just try and grab as much as I could, uh, you know, as much as they would let me grab. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's got to be a pretty bold move for them to think that they can – trade for George and feel secure about their ability to, to keep him there, um, you know, next year and not have him go to the Lakers, but I don't know, more power to them. Yeah. I mean, you know, if they do get Hayward, at least at that point, Jay Crowder, you know, he's on one of the best contracts in the league, but 
he becomes somewhat expendable, you know, especially if you're trading for Paul George because you, as you mentioned, Ian, they still have Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. It sounds like they are really high on Jalen Brown still. Uh, you know, there were reports around the draft that like anytime Jalen Brown's name came up in trade talks, they hung up the phone immediately. So <laughs> whether whether they would do that with Paul George on the other line remains to be seen. But I guess that's where Danny Ainge is coming from. They, you know, we've said it plenty of times before. Everyone knows it. The Boston right now has the best. Uh, war chest of assets in the league, so they certainly have enough to get a deal done if they want to. It'll just be how much is Danny Ainge actually willing to give up. So, Mort, thanks for the the Woj intel there, because that, that certainly uh, that, that would certainly make that Markel Fultz deal uh, at least provide a little more perspective as to what they were trying to accomplish with that. I kind of wonder one thing as well, because... Here's the thing, if they get Gordon Hayward in free agency, like let's assume that the Pacers have not yet made a deal with them for Paul George, and they get Hayward first. Like if now, if you're Indiana, you can probably squeeze the lemon a little bit because mm-hmm. now they you know what they're after. Mm-hmm. They want they wanted like both guys. They're not settling for just one, I don't think. So you can go to them and say, you know what? We will trade you Paul George for the right price. So you can try out lineup next season already that could potentially find yourself in the finals. And you are going to have to pay for it because now you just showed your hand. You signed Gordon Hayward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that sounds great to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to be really interesting to see what happens with the Celtics. I, I think it's fair to say they're one of the ma- most fascinating teams in either conference heading into free agency just because of their assets, their cap space, kind of what they seem to be angling to do. Uh, so I'm sure we'll talk about them plenty in the weeks to come. Uh, let's move to another team that's facing a lot of big decisions, the Toronto Raptors, who, you know, I feel like most of the teams we've discussed, we've like kind of struggled to find notable free agents. Not the Raptors. They have Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, PJ Tucker, and Patrick Patterson. Uh, if all of those guys walk, they would have around $19.7 million in cap space, but they are way over with cap holds, so... They are operating, at least for now, as a team that's way over the cap. Um, so, Ian, if you're the Raptors, do you offer Kyle Lowry the five-year max? Or do you say, look, if you can get the four-year max elsewhere, adios? Yeah, I offer him the max, and I I, I would try and bring everybody back. Um I know how terrible they looked against Cleveland in the playoffs, but... I think the truth, uh, you know, going into the playoffs on paper, they looked like they were really ready to challenge Cleveland. They looked like they had all the pieces, everything they would need, and then they looked so bad in that series. I think the truth is probably somewhere in between uh, those two extremes. And so, yeah, you bring everybody back and Cleveland trades Kevin Love and Mm -hmm. it doesn't work out or somebody else on Cleveland gets hurt. Uh, You know, Boston doesn't pull off this, this maneuver and and land Hayward and George and whatever. Um, I don't know. I think Toronto still could be right there at the top of the East. And, you know, I think it's worth it for that franchise to go ahead and take a swing and, and, and see how far they they can push this thing. Um, You know, losing Lowry is sinks them to the middle of the pack. Um, 
and and I'm not seeing sort of a clear path up to the top again. And then one of the other interesting things that I feel like I always forget about Toronto, I have to sort of like pinch myself and remind myself is they're not like this extreme uh, veteran heavy roster. Like they have a lot mm-hmm. of young guys on that roster and there's room for internal development. You know, Norman Powell, uh, two years in, like he looks like he could be really terrific. He could be maybe not a star, but, you know, something close to that. Uh, Kabakalo and Nagara and uh, Jakobo who's barely played in OG and Unabi, like there's there's some young guys on that team who could push them to another level with with some internal development so yeah if I'm Toronto I'm I'm trying to roll it back and you know whatever whatever it costs yeah that's you made a lot of great points there and hey Bruno's only what now he's zero years away from being one year away right he's <laughs> yeah like there almost you go. an NBA player <laughs> yeah. now yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I think two things there. Uh, a, I'm really glad you mentioned, you know, Morton brought it up too. Like, we don't know what's going to happen with Cleveland after this year. Like, the LeBron to L.A. rumors, there seems to be a lot of smoke there. So who knows what happens if he actually goes there, if he leaves, you know, for another team, whether in the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference. But, like, unlike planning around the Warriors where you know that core is going to be there for the next two to three years, Cleveland, you really don't. So, you know, it makes sense for that reason for Toronto to say, like, look, you know, we got smoked at the playoffs this year. Come back. Let's roll it back. See what happens next year. And then, hell, like, maybe maybe LeBron leaves. Maybe they do trade Kevin Love. And maybe Paul George leaves as well. And then, like, then the Eastern Conference is wide open. So I, I've noticed a lot of people, you know, it seems like right now we're in this, like, championship or bust. Or, like, if you can't beat the Warriors, why even build a team? And it's like, well, you know there's value in having a 50 win team that can make it to the second round of the playoffs. Like this is an owner fueled business and owners want to make money and you make money by having a good team that, you know, can at least put together an entertaining product on a night to night basis. So I don't think it's as cut and dry as like, well, the Raptors can't beat the Warriors. So let's just let everyone walk. And and this is the Raptors are not like the pre uh like the pre process seventy sixers and I, it, it's the same right. thing with like a lot of teams where it's like uh you know like for the seventy sixers like tearing it down to the ground and and starting from scratch was probably their their um you know their highest probability play that's not true for a team like the Raptors like there's a uh, it may be a a slim probability but there's a greater championship probability in them keeping it together and hoping to catch a lucky break than there is in them, you know, halfway rebuilding or totally rebuilding and trying to get back to the point that they're at now four or five years down the road. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the pre-process Sixers have just traded away, like, four valuable assets for Andrew Bynum. So, yeah, (laughs) that was fun. Uh, More, if Lowry walks, let's say, you know, hypothetically, he does fall in love with uh, the Spurs or the Rockets or something. What should Masai Ujiri do then? Should he try to re-sign Ibaka, Tucker, Patterson? Or at that point, do you start looking more at like a, not necessarily a full-on Sixers rebuild, but, you know, more of a youth movement? So, all right, if if Kyle Lowry walks, we're testing out new recording equipment right now. And you told me a couple minutes ago that we might actually have sound effects on. (laughs) Meaning... That if that happens, we should just play a sound of a house burning to the ground. <laughs> I don't Severely. think I have that yet, but we'll, no, we'll but, go look. <laughs> yeah, because what what can you realistically do without Kyle Lowry here? He is like 
the main guy, with all the respect to DeRozan. You, if you have to build a core with Co- Corey Joseph and DeMar DeRozan in the backcourt, like, I love Corey Joseph, but he's not a steady enough outside shooter. He's not that dynamic as Kyle Lowry, and would you really want DeRozan to uh, enhance his, his shooting volume right now off the two-point shot? I'm not sure you would. So it, it's... Yeah, you can then then you can argue. Well, you still have Ibaka. That's fine, but is it really like how far does that take you? Mm-hmm. you? And and you could argue if they had developed Jonas Valanciunas a little bit more, given him more chances instead of this ridiculous. Hey, let's pull him for not dominating crap. <laughs> then you know it, things might have looked different. But right now it all hinges on Kyle Lowry, which is insane. Everything hinges on him. It the Toronto has not had a bigger summer in what over a decade. Yeah, I mean, probably since the Vince Carter years, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's they're they're Boston's interesting in a good way because like they could build a super team out of nowhere. Toronto's interesting in a bad way because if you know if Lowry walks, things will go very far south very quickly. So prayers up for Raptors fans. We'll see what happens in the coming days. Um, and if you thought I was going to let the Raptors go without mentioning more that we both picked them as our dark horse to make the finals in the East, you were sorely mistaken. Uh, yeah, that was voice manipulation, yeah. I was <laughs> to, uh, argue. I did not say that. Yeah, I know. At, <clears> least, <throat> at least they right. ran past the Bucks. That was... <laughs> <laughs> they did. Uh, Barely. Yeah, I know. Barely. I know. Yeah. You um, looked so smart there, Brian. <laughs> hey, I was in Australia. I could play the fifth at that point. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Philadelphia 76ers. Their only notable free agent is Sergio Rodriguez, who after uh, drafting Markel Fultz, you have to assume is going to walk. They have upwards of $60 million in cap space almost. Uh, they can Gerald Henderson has a $9 million team option that they're still undecided on. They also just have a boatload of cap space because all of their players are on rookie contracts, basically. So more... I mean, now is the time for Brian Colangelo to strike, right? Because Embiid is up for an extension this year. Robert mm-hmm. Covington's a, a unrestricted free agent next year if they don't extend him. So what should Brian Colangelo do with all of that money this summer? Who should they go after? Well, J.J. Redick, we've, we've spoken about Redick for a while on this podcast, especially in connection to the Sixers. He just makes almost too much sense, really. I mean, a zone breaker, a guy who can get, what, 200 triples a year at 42, 43% shooting, uh, he'll, he'll, make, um, he'll make life so much easier for the young guys. So, I mean, that's the guy I would target. Not on a four-year deal, um, but maybe three. Yeah, uh, and I think, who is it? Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer had a report Monday saying the Sixers are probably going to go after both or, sorry, the Sixers and Nets were both going to go after Redick hard. I think he said, like, they're going to make a hard push. So, yeah, Redick, I'm all aboard. Uh, just such a perfect fit conceptually next to Fultz, Simmons, Embiid, Saric, uh, etc. Ian, uh, if you're Colangelo, as I mentioned, Embiid's up for an extension, do you give him one or do you wait until next summer let him test restricted free agency? Uh... I feel like this would come down to sort of knowing Embiid and knowing whether that would bother him at all. Um, I I feel like I would need that sort of personal knowledge about him. Um, 
financially, uh, you know, from sort of a robotic mechanic point, I would not give him an extension now. I'd hold on to that space, um, you know, on the uh, I'm knocking on wood, but on the off chance that he hurts himself this year or, you know, shows that, uh, you know, he can't stay healthy for a whole season, I, I wouldn't want to get locked in until I had a little a little bit bigger sample with him. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I mean, there is the risk that yeah maybe he signs the qualifying offer maybe he signs a three-year deal so he can get into the seven to nine year contract range but given all he's been through with injuries he really seems to like philly like they've got a fun young core i don't think it's a huge risk i think you can wait till next summer uh offer him the five-year max if he stays healthy but uh, i mean unless he's willing to sign like a steph curry-esque you know like big discount um I don't think you can offer him a five-year max this summer. Uh, and, you know, it, I should note, like, Robert Covington, again, up for an extension in November. So maybe you save some money to renegotiate and extend him, and then you can worry about Embiid next summer. That's at least an option on the table. Uh, let's move to the Brooklyn Nets, who have no notable free agents. They have upwards of $35 million in cap space. So, Ian, last summer they went after Alan Crabb and Tyler Johnson in restricted free agency. Uh, both of the, their respective teams matched, so the Nets did not get any players. So do you think they should go that route again, or would you like to see them do more like what they just did with the Lakers, you know, take on bad contracts to get picks or prospects? Um, I would go the restricted free agent route for Caldwell Pope or Porter. Um, those are the only two guys that I would look at. Um I don't know. It's a little bit tricky if you think uh, D'Angelo Russell's going to play shooting guard and Karis LeVert's going to play on the wing too. It seems like they really like those guys, and if that's going to be their wing rotation going forward, don't necessarily want to want to bring in uh, Porter or Caldwell Pope. But both of those guys just seem like they have such nice, like, complementary skill sets that whatever the Nets are going to be four or five years down the road, having guys who can move the ball, shoot from the outside, play good defense, like you can just trust that they'll be useful no matter what. Um, so yeah, I, I think I would probably take a swing on one or both of those guys first. Yeah, I agree. And then if that doesn't work, if their teams match, you can always go the salary dump route later, but you know, at least give it a swing. And it sounds like uh, there was a report today from a Detroit paper that if KCP gets a max, the Pistons are going to be reluctant to match reportedly. So, you know, take a swing, see what happens. Um, Let's move to the Knicks, who, I, you know, they've got Derrick Rose and Justin Holiday as their free agents. They've got upwards of $20 million in space. I think the big question with the Knicks, Mort, is, you know, based on what Phil Jackson has done with Carmelo Anthony all year and now Kristaps Porzingis recently, are any free agents actually going to want to go there unless they are being egregiously overpaid? No. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> that was very easy. Uh... I mean, look, we have gone into this on the podcast before. I don't think we need to rehash it. The Knicks are an awful organization at this point in time, and you will have to overpay for everyone who enters the team. Next team. Probably. Okay. Yeah, that was easy. Uh, sorry, Knicks fans. Well, well, we're keeping our fingers crossed for you, but at least you probably won't overpay Derek Rose, so that's something. Um, okay, let's move to the Washington Wizards, who we brought up Otto Porter a lot in this episode. He's a restricted free agent. Bojan Bogdanovic is a restricted free agent. The Wizards don't have notable cap space, so their only real play is the tax or the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, and then 
uh, Otto and Boyan resigning them. So, Ian, it sounds like you're very high on Otto. If if he gets a max offer sheet and you're the Wizards, are you going to match that? Yeah, I think they have to. I don't uh I mean they they clearly they need depth and it's tough to lock so much money down on Wall, Beal and Porter, but I'm not sure what else they do with that money that they would give Porter that makes them better than they are with Porter and a and a short bench. Um, so for me, yeah, I, I pay him the money. I maybe look at trading Gortat, see if there's a market for him. Uh, see if you can trick somebody into taking Jan Mahinmi and, uh, and, and look for some, you know, some high value, uh, you know, kind of high risk, high reward bench players that you can, you know, take a swing on and hope somebody pans out. Um, again, like they're not that far away on the Eastern conference. They're one of those teams who maybe catches a break and they're right there. And so, yeah, for me, it's, it's keep the court together and and uh you know try and find value elsewhere yeah they just re- i mean their starting five was great last year it was just their bench completely ruined them uh so if they can get someone that's better than like brandon jennings and trey burke they're in business um it is worth noting though there is i forget i think it was mark spears tweeted this monday night a quote from john wall or he had a story about it about how john wall is to like trying to recruit paul george to washington and how he's like trying to convince him to force a trade there uh, but it was like he had a quote where he's like, "We're just one piece away. We have a point. We have the point guard, the shooting guard, the power forward, and the center." And they're like, "No disrespect to Otto, but it's like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that with Otto four days away from free agency? It seems it seems a little weird." So I'm wondering if Otto is more gettable than we all think. I feel like conventional wisdom says he's just going to be, you know, he's going to get a max somewhere, and the Wizards are going to match it, but. It's, it strikes me as something to keep an eye on. Um, <laughs> let's, let's move to the Miami Heat. Because Chris Bosh, uh, his contract is going to come off the books this summer because of his medical retirement, they actually have a boatload of cap space, almost $38 million. Uh, Their notable free agents are James Johnson, Dion Waiters, and Willie Reed. So, Morton, you know, we've heard them link to Gordon Hayward. If they can't get him, who else should they go after? Well, you just said he was probably more gettable than we assumed. So, Otto Porter, mm-hmm. like, why not play the restricted free agency game if you're Miami? Can't really hurt. You have a somewhat young roster. Otto Porter would fit fit in H wise with a lot of those guys. I mean, it would make sense to make him your primary target. And if you max him out, then there is a chance that Washington might not match it. I don't think. I think they will, but it's at least worth a shot in terms of unrestricted free agents. I don't think there is one out there who isn't somewhat a lock to stay in his own place right now, Mm -hmm. um, that is going to move the needle a whole bunch. I think a lot of it is internal improvements. Uh, But if if a deal shows up where they have to take, like, hey, a Luol Deng back for, like, you know, making the Lakers available to get uh, some financial flexibility going into 2018, like, sure, we'll take Luol Deng and his awful contract back (laughs) as long as you're throwing something extra. I mean, why not? Right, yeah, throw in, like, Jordan Clarkson or... I mean, Brand- Julius Randle, yeah. maybe? Even though he's gotten ripped. I don't think he's getting ripped <laughs> I know. this summer. Uh, the only guy that jumped out to me, I mean, Blake Griffin would be interesting, um, but I'm not sure if I love the conceptual fit next to Hassan Whiteside there. But Paul Millsap would actually be kind of interesting there. Um, I, you know, I just think, like, he would be... If you have Griffin and John- Jonathan Sharks of the Ringer had a really good piece today about how, like, Basically, whatever team signs Griffin should just play him as point guard. And with Goran Dragic, you don't need to do that. 
Um, but Millsap, you know, he's like kind of just a really solid all-around player, good defender. Uh, you don't necessarily want him as your leading scorer, but you've got Dragic and Whiteside to handle some of that offensive load. So I'm not saying they'll definitely go after him, but conceptually I could see that working. Um, let's move on now to the Atlanta Hawks since that's, uh, you know, Paul Millsap's team. So they have him as a free agent. Tim Hardaway is a restricted free agent. They have up to $35 million, but they're over the cap with cap holds. So, Ian, they just traded Dwight Howard. Do you think they're going to let Paul Millsap walk in free agency and kind of move toward a youth, youth movement? That would be my guess. I mean, they sort of said, you know, we'd love to have Paul back, but we might not be able to, which is, you know, basically acknowledging we might not want to because they have the money to pay him, you know. Um uh, so yeah, I, I mean, if it was me, I think I would let Millsap walk, and it's time to sort of experiment, get younger. Um, I, I don't think there's anything to be gained for them by sort of cycling in the in the middle spot. I think bottoming out a little bit's probably better for them. Uh, I'm not a Hardaway Jr. fan, and I, uh, you know, if, if he's getting big money, I'd let him walk too. I think he's fairly replaceable for them. Yeah, especially you know they just, they learned their lesson the hard way with Kent Bazemore last summer. <laughs> Uh, so I, I would think, especially given their wing depth, you know, they took two wings last year in the draft. They've got plenty of guys that can replace him. So wouldn't shock me to see both of those guys leave. Um, let's move to the Orlando Magic, who, I mean, I hate to even call these guys notable free agents, but Jeff Green and Jody Meeks uh, are the two biggest ones. They've got almost $18 million in cap space. So they don't have enough space to sign big-name free agents, Morton, but... They do have enough for some mid-tier guys and veterans to help round out their young core for the 15th straight year. Um, So should they go after those types of players, or do you think they should save their money for extensions for Alfred Payton and Aaron Gordon, which would kick in uh, next summer? Are we absolutely certain that they're not going to offer Nick Young a one-year $15 million (laughs) deal? They did Jeff Green last summer. (laughs) Exactly. Like, part two. Why not? Uh Look, I would never want to save money for extensions if you have cap space. It just seems to me to be a profoundly stupid idea because then you remove the opportunity to upgrade your roster from an external point of Mm. view. Um, But here's the thing. Orlando is not a good team, so a lot of players would already have them crossed off their list as being not interested. So they have to go for like the under-the-radar type of guys. I would actually look over to Europe and seeing some of the more established players Mm. there and go, you know, the uh, unconventional free agent uh, route. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, the Sixers did it last year with Sergio Rodriguez. He was pretty much completely off the NBA radar until all of a sudden it was like, oh, yeah, he's yep. here. Um, yeah, that's actually, I like that play. Yeah, because there's no one, as you said, the Magic are a bad team. There's no one that's going to, they're not one player away from, like, suddenly being in the championship contention or, honestly, probably not even in playoff contention. Uh, so I would... You know, I, I feel like this year they really need to figure out what they have in Peyton and Gordon. Uh, I wouldn't extend either one, frankly, um, especially now that they just drafted Jonathan Isaac. Uh, Gordon, yep. you know, it, it sent one of those guys might have to play out of position again this year. Uh, so, yeah, I'd see what you have in them and really start making moves next summer. So, Ian, let's wrap things up with the Charlotte Hornets. They don't have any notable free agents. They are over the cap after the Dwight Howard trade. Uh, So they're not the the most interesting team to end on. But 
since they are capped out, they're only going to have the mid-level exception to work with. Uh, what do you see as the biggest need for the Hornets this summer? Uh, if they could get another capable wing to come off the bench, I think that would be helpful. Somebody who's a little bit long, maybe with some uh, some defensive capabilities, uh, Lamb and uh, sop up Lamb and uh, Bellinelli's minutes. I think their biggest need was probably another backcourt scorer, and Malik Monk is going to do most of that for him uh, for them. Hopefully, he's uh, he's healthy. Um, so yeah, I think they're I think they're a team with some uh, internal improvement. Uh, uh, adding Monk to the roster, uh, getting Zeller healthy, hopefully uh, another step forward for Kaminsky. I think they'll probably be back in playoff contention just sort of, uh, you know, without making any major changes to the roster, especially with so many other Eastern teams kind of taking a step back. Right. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. Like, the Vegas released their uh, playoff odds, I think, after the draft, and the Sixers are favored to make the playoffs, which, you know, <laughs> I saw people saying that's ambitious, but, like, after the Jimmy Butler trade, Chicago is going to be terrible. Brooklyn's terrible. The Knicks are terrible. The Magic are just mediocre as always. Atlanta, assuming Paul Millsap walks, is going to be pretty bad. Indiana, if they trade Paul George, could be pretty bad or just pretty young. So that's six teams right there. And then, like, now you just need to beat one of, you know, if you're the Sixers or if you're the Hornets, you need to beat one of those two, Miami and Detroit, and you're in the playoffs. So, you know, you don't have to do much work to be an Eastern Conference playoff team next year. Uh, they just got to get C.J. Miles, and then it's all in. The Sixers or the Hornets? CJ, oh, the Hornets. Oh, the yeah, Hornets. Yeah, I know, yeah. Hey, they, ha- they have the mid-level. They have the mid-level, which is, I think, 8.4 million. So they might have to make a little bit of a convincing argument for mm-hmm. him because I definitely think he's going to get double figures. But, you know, who knows? Yeah, he would be an interesting, interesting fit there. Um, so yeah, that's going to wrap things up for our Eastern Conference free agency preview. We will have a Western Conference one later in the week. Ian, again, thank you for coming on and just remind our listeners where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work. Uh, yeah, at Hickory High on Twitter and uh, fansided.com. And thanks a lot for having me on. It was fun. For sure. Yeah, you're welcome back anytime, especially after the Paul George deal inevitably goes down. Um, <laughs> just wanted to remind you all that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. Uh, you can find our Twitter handles in the bio. So check those out as well. You can also find us on iTunes. So please subscribe, download. We love any reviews you have good or bad. Um, and then we're being hosted this year on fan rag sports. So check them out on Twitter at fan rag sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Lots of free agency goodies ahead, and we'll also have some summer league coverage once free agency dies down, too. So until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined today by Morton Jensen and Ian Levy. Have a good one, guys. You too, Brian. Welcome to Total Wine & More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine & More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in-store or online at TotalWine.com. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... 
Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Old moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.